0: Good evening, Patriots Nation, and welcome once again to Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is my good friend, Bobby Kowitsky, at Bobby underscore K91, also on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Patriots Beat on Twitter. Follow CLNS Radio at CLNS Radio. Of course, a few Facebook fans out there, www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat. We got a great show for you today. Big things going to be happening this year for CLNS Radio. Of course, if you're a fan of CLNS Radio, you're a fan of the Patriots beat. You have no doubt listened to the Patriots post game show, as I am one of the uh, hosts on the Patriots post game show. Bobby has had a, a chance or two to be in there, and our friends uh, uh, Patrick Shankauer as well. Uh, We are partnering up with uh, BTR this year, Blog Talk Radio, as we always have. But we've got some great things that are going to be happening. And we are going to be talking to Jay Soderberg, the content manager for Blog Talk Radio, who just so happens to be a big Patriots fan. So we'll get into talking a little Patriots with him. We'll talk a little Blog Talk Radio. We'll talk podcasting. That's what this show is about. It's a podcast about the Patriots. And I can't think of a team that I would rather talk about then the New England Patriots there, Bobby.
2: Definitely not one in the NFL. And Jeff, guess what we're finally getting closer to? Training camp is right here. Can taste it, can smell it, and that means actual football. What have we been saying all offseason that we don't really want to talk about deflate gate and that hogwash? We want to talk about what the show is known for, and that's the X's and O's. That's actual football. And now we're going to really be able to do about it as training camp gets underway.
0: You know, what's that old saying? The X's and O's and, and Jimmy and Joe's. I, I'm excited. I can't wait to start talking about that. And you know what? When Tom Brady retires and Jimmy Garoppolo comes, becomes the next greatest quarterback of all time, we can start every show off by, we're talking
2: the X's and O's and Jimmy Garoppolo's. I fucking love it. Folks, I hope you uh, have already put on your rose-colored glasses. If You haven't. <laughs> now is the time to do so our
0: good friend over at patriots gazette uh rod uh used to call me dr rose colored glasses uh so <laughs> that's a good thing there rod's doing some great stuff uh with uh, what his new venture uh you know for pat's gazette at pat's gazette uh he's got a a new website check him out there uh you know rod's always a great guy and he did call me dr rose colored glasses many times and at this time of year i am mr dr rose colored glasses i can't wait it's like Christmas morning. It's like you know the most beautiful day in the spring. It's like seeing a hot chick walking down the street. You just can't contain yourself. You're ready to go. It's Patriots training camp. It starts in a week. Oh, I can I can I can hear the whistles blowing already.
2: Hey, this is the time of year where unless your quarterback is Geno Smith or Matt Castle, there's reason to be optimistic, and fans are getting excited about their team, what a new season might bring. So. It's one of the best times in football.
0: Oh, it is one of the best times in football. You know, I mean, fresh cut grass, uh, you know, thousands of fans running out and seeing their, the stars of of today, tomorrow, the rookies, uh, the aging veterans, the coaches, just, you know, uh, HBO's hard knocks. It doesn't matter the team. It's the Texans this year. I can't wait to see that because of the fact that, you know, it's Billy O'Brien. you got uh, Mike Frabel down there. Uh, Vince Wilford's going to be on the program. you got uh, Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett fighting it out to see who's going to be the quarterback star. I know we're talking about the Patriots here on Patriots Beat, but we're talking football season. Actual football. It's been over, almost six months or however many months it's been since the Patriots won the Super Bowl. You know, it's funny. I was laying in bed last night, Bobby. I got back. I went to a Luke Bryan concert last night. Uh, up in Guilford, New Hampshire, just a a great thing. And um, I'm telling you, I I was laying in bed. I needed something to watch. I put on the last five minutes of the Super Bowl. It was it was awesome.
2: Yeah, that is. I never get tired of seeing that rerun on NFL Network. You know, not near they're not showing it as much as they did in February and March, but still on every now and then. And if I see it, I'm changing the channel.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? Without further ado, why don't we bring on our guest for tonight? Well, joining us on the line right now is Jay Soderbergh. He is the head of content for Blog Talk Radio. We've got some exciting things coming up this year with CLNS Radio and Blog Talk Radio. So, Jay, welcome aboard Patriot's Beat.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Jay, you uh, have quite the resume, head of content for uh, BTR – also worked with uh, ESPN for eight years. Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for our listeners here.
1: Sure. Actually, I I was at ESPN for 16, but the last eight, uh, I was the guy who many people might know as Pod Vader, uh, the head producer for all the podcasts at ESPN.
0: That is excellent. So you have the experience. Podcasting has extremely exploded over the last... Well, five years anyways, but it's been going crazy for longer than that. It's good to have you on here at Patriot Speed. I'd like to bring in my uh, co-host, Bobby Kravitzky, to ask you a couple questions.
2: Jay, appreciate you taking the time to join the program. And right now, I want to just get into the topic that's been discussed ad nauseum this off season. of course, that being Deflategate. How do you see um, this whole thing ultimately playing out?
1: I mean, uh, ultimately playing out... I- I have no idea, but I can say this, uh, and I've said it on my own podcast uh, numerous times. The NFL has screwed this thing up so royally, it's not even funny. I mean, I I liken it to the the Band-Aid that you have on the cut. Everybody knows you just rip that thing off and you take the pain right then and there, and then it goes away this has been the most long and painful removal of a Band-Aid from a a wound that I, it might be one of the longest I've ever seen in NFL history. I mean, this should have been taken care of months and months ago, and instead they continue to drag this out, they continue to not say a word about it, and they continue to make it worse and worse. But when they finally do reveal whatever the decision is, it's, it's, it, somebody is going to be extremely upset and you know, most likely it's going to be uh, us Patriot fans. But, um, you know, this, this, the way that the NFL under Roger Goodell wants to operate and uh, unfortunately I think it's going to come back and bite them.
2: Yeah. I think they've looked worse than anyone else throughout this whole saga. Well,
1: I mean, honestly,
2: uh,
1: the the whole the Wells report, Was a farce. I mean, anybody. I I minored in law in college. Okay, and I could sit there and rip that thing apart as a as a textbook lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, but I'll play one on this podcast for you if you'd like. Uh, So, and if I can do that, then I know a real lawyer would have a field day with that thing. Now, they'll say, well, it's not a law. It's not a legal degree. It's not a court of law. doesn't matter if it's court of law and actually of all people i saw mike greenberg say this the other day you're going to tarnish the reputation of perhaps one of the greatest players in your history over a it's a more probable than not scenario that seems really really foolish
0: last thing here on deflate gate because we see all over social media uh on the radio on podcast Uh, a lot of patriots fans and fans of the nfl coming out there going you know when is roger the clown going to come out with his ruling and this and that and the other thing on the appeal but these same fans of the patriots are going to turn around and if it's not favorable they're going to go out and bash roger goodell again he's handled this horribly but is there anything that roger goodell could do here to save face not only for himself, but for the NFL, because I don't see it. No,
1: I, I, there's there's nothing he can do right now that, that will save him. You know, I've seen some of the rumors that the settlement being uh, tossed around is a fine. I don't see that as being something that the rest of the owners of the league would accept as an acceptable punishment for what they think was such a major travesty. You know, I'll ask this to you guys, and I'm sure you've talked about this as well. Do we really think a quarterback who plays for a coach who's such a control freak that they would want a a, a ball boy to go in and just randomly deflate a bunch of balls? It seems more probable than not that <laughs> is not the case.
0: Exactly. More probable than not, it's not the case. I, You know what? We've said it enough times on this podcast, and I'm ready to put it to bed. I can't wait for this to be behind us and start talking about football. You're right. I mean, you have Bill Belichick who, you know, if someone has a sliver, he doesn't let people know. You know, it's a a thumb injury or it's a a left arm injury. Um, I just don't see it. So let's start talking a little bit about football here. Yes. So the New England Patriots, they kick off training camp on – July 30th Super Bowl champions fourth time I cannot believe I've been following this team for since 1984 and, and in those years to think that the Patriots could be four-time Super Bowl champions uh you know it was tough um I mean they did have of course the 85 season when they got trampled by the Bears but in the late 80s early 90s it was tough to see this team comes back they win a Super Bowl last year a lot of people have uh left this team to Revis Brandon Browner, Shane Green, to name a few. And there has been a sky is falling thing for people who follow the defense. What are your thoughts on what the Patriots have done this off season, especially on defense?
1: Uh, I mean, we've seen this before. I mean, this is what Belichick likes to do with, these, with this team. Um, at one, and every year we go, well, what is Belichick doing? He's crazy. He's stupid. I can't believe he did this. And then next thing you know, we're winning the Super uh, so, I mean, and and bill, we trust, uh, and that's pretty much all we can do. Now, looking at the pieces that are back there, I mean, uh, on my podcast, my podcast is called next fan up. We just had our, our votes for all first and second NFL teams. And Devin McCordy was a guy who didn't make our team, but was mentioned as one of those guys who's probably the best, uh, free safety in the league right now. Uh, and he's still on this team. You've got, uh, Guy and Logan Ryan that definitely up and coming and showing some promise. You have Malcolm Butler who has obviously shown some flashes, including the game winning play in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, we can, we can say all we want about, uh, Bradley Fletcher and, uh, the new guy there, uh, from the 49ers, Terrell. Um, you know, these guys are capable starters. Now, look at that front line. Yes, Vince is gone, uh, and that actually kind of saddens me. It's funny how all my favorites are the guys that end up leaving much too <laughs> soon for me. Um, but uh, but you know what? That that front line of the Patriots has has the chance to be one of the best in the league. I really think that. I mean, they've got some great, great players on that defensive front line now. And Ninkovich still reminds me of Mike Vrabel. Uh I like to call him Vrabel Jr. Uh, yep. and, and and Jamie Collins uh is, is a definite star uh in the linebacking core. And oh let's not forget Gerard Mayo is back from injury. Um and if Mayo can stay healthy, and I know it's a big if, um, but now not only has that front line got the chance to be one of the best in the league, but that front seven is pretty formidable especially if you throw in the Dante Hightower.
2: Yeah, Hightower and Collins, two rising young stars. You look at the potential on that defensive front line, like you said, with Malcolm Brown, the rookie, a lot of hype surrounding him. You know, Dominique Easley is a player we've talked about at length on the podcast, someone that we really like. And also Chandler Jones and Ninkovich coming off the edges, not to mention the addition of Jabal Sheard, And Jay, the Patriots might not be done adding as on the offensive side of things, they're one of four teams linked to Reggie Wayne. How would you feel about them adding the longtime veteran receiver?
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath about adding Reggie Wayne to the wide receiving core. I think, I think Reggie has done, um, this is, this smells of the, uh, players Belichick uh, fell in love with on other teams and, You know, of course, he's going to give him a look, but ultimately I don't think Reggie Wayne would would add anything to the offensive side of the football. Um, I think, honestly, I believe our wide receiving core in New England is one of the most underrated in the league, and they went out and showed it because they went out and won a Super Bowl uh, with the exact same guys that are on the team. Uh, And, you know, I don't know what Dobson did last year that got him in the doghouse, but I still believe in Aaron Dobson. I saw some things out of that guy. Uh, and I think he's got some true potential. He's just got to get out of that doghouse.
0: I could tell you, I like Dobbs as well. We talked about him a little bit last week on last week's podcast, and I believe that they just took him off the pop list way, way, way too early. They should have just kept him there, especially with Brandon LaFell, uh, you know, coming in and starting to get uh, a little more comfortable with reps as the uh, training camp went on. I, I, I thought that they rushed him back a little too quick. And I don't know why. As far as Reggie Wayne goes, Jay, I look at him and I agree with you. I I can't see a spot on this team for him. Sure, he's you know has all these receptions in his career. He's he has monster games against the New England Patriots, but on this team, he's no better than a really a fourth wide receiver, and with no special teams value. And we know how Belichick loves his special teams. Oh
1: yeah. Well, I mean, special teams have won so many games for this for this Patriots organization during this run. Um, it, Reggie Wayne obviously provides no value there. And, it, and he takes up a valuable roster spot, and uh, we can't have that, especially when it looks like the running back core is going to be, you know, a committee of, you know, five or six guys.
2: Yeah, and they already have a cheap veteran on that, you know, training camp list of wide receivers and Brandon Gibson. Who, uh, he's got a familiar history with Josh McDaniels, guy that both him and Belichick reportedly like. Has some offensive versatility, and we'll see what he brings to the table, especially if he's healthy. So he could be your four or five or fifth receiver. You know, you don't want to stunt Aaron Dobson's growth, like you talked about something that happened in year two for Aaron. So really, with him last season, Dobson's lack of off season being able to work out and everything is what derailed his second year in the league. And now this year, as he fights for a roster spot, it's, again, it's that offseason that's really going to make or break things for him as he heads into training camp looking to build momentum.
1: I'll tell you the guy that I think the Patriots are going to miss this year. And I'm interested, uh, I'm very interested to learn more as to why they let him go. Uh, Tim Wright. I think he's a guy that, you know, all he did was catch touchdowns last year and uh and now he's not on the team and I know they're high on Scott Chandler uh so I guess I gotta wait and see what Scott Chandler the combo of Scott Chandler and Rob Gronkowski can do um but you know uh, to me that's the place where I think we're gonna see a little bit of a drop off
2: yeah Jay I'll be honest I spent the first month of last season maybe the first five weeks complaining, saying the Patriots need to run more, two tight end sets, featuring Tim Wright. And yes, he caught plenty of touchdowns, but the more I got to see him and the more I went back and looked at him on film, what became evident was this is not a player who is getting open on his own. He's getting open because defenses aren't covering him, and when they do pay attention to him, he's not able to create any sort of separation for himself. So with Tim Wright, yeah, perhaps he could have brought some depth behind Gronk and Chandler, but I also think that they felt it was time to go in a diff- different direction. You know, they'd seen enough of Tim Wright to just have that feeling that it wasn't going to work out here for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, that might be the case. And, you know, my everybody's fan favorite, the Who man, uh is obviously one of those cleaner type guys uh that uh you know he's probably on the roster bubble this year too, um, and if you keep Tim Wright, do you keep Human? uh I can see I can see it going either way. I mean, man obviously offers a lot more value. Uh, I get, he's a special teamer. He's that thumper guy. Um, but do you really need a thumper when you got Legarrette
0: Blunt? Yeah. I I tell you I I love Legarrette Blunt. I. I think he's going to have – I mean, he had some good years in in his career, of course, the 1,000-year uh, rookie year in Tampa Bay, 800-plus uh, in his first season with the Patriots. He you know, only had 245 yards last year. But I think LeGarrette Blount on this team with this rebuilt offensive line with Shaq Mason and Trey Jackson, uh, you know, in the second year under Dave uh, googe. I can't ever say his last name. <laughs> but I really look and I, I say to him, that I think Blount that can really run behind this line having the two tight ends not having to bring in a tackle eligible I look at LeGarrette Blount as a guy who can you know be a thousand yard back for this team Uh, the only thing that he has a downfall on is he doesn't have great soft hands and that's the one thing you're going to need to see but when I look at this team right now you know a lot of people sit there and they say well you know, you have Blount, who only does well against the Colts. Or, or you have Brandon Bolden, but he's just a special teams guy. Uh, you have James White, who, you know, it's his second year. We don't know what they're going to do with him. Traverse Cadet, uh, you know, he he just catches passes. And then everyone is all over this uh, Gaffney kid out of Stanford. And, and this is a guy who hasn't played a, a meaningful down in anger in the NFL. I look at Garrett Blount, and I think especially uh, – at the beginning of the season, if the Brady suspension is upheld, they're really going to need to lean on him, and of course, he's suspended for the first game of the season as well.
1: Yeah, I don't see Blunt as being that major contributor. I mean, he's clearly the lead back in that core, but uh, you know, a thousand yards isn't what a thousand yards used to be, uh, and he might make he might make it to that point, but I don't see him as being. Uh, the workhorse back here. I really do see that committee approach again this year with a different leading rusher every month of the season. Um, they've got enough guys in, in that running back core, uh, where they can get by. And I do want to see a little bit more out of James White. I want to see, uh, what that kid can do. And don't forget Jonas Gray. Again, another kid who ended up in the doghouse because he showed up late to practice. I mean, if he can show up to practice on time, uh, I, He's, he's got some potential there too.
2: And let's not forget, there were more flashes than just that Colts game. Against Miami, he was a huge part of New England's second-half surge and them having that offensive outburst going on to ultimately win that game against the Dolphins towards the end of the season. So there were glimpses, there were moments beyond just that one steamrolling of the Colts. Jay, I'm curious, I don't know if you read Mike Sando's piece that came out yesterday ranking the quarterback tiers where he speaks with NFL executives around the league. But with all the Brady Manning comparisons that go on in this neighborhood, as well as Indianapolis and Denver, here was a quote that I'm curious to get your take on. And it reads another personnel director said he thought that Peyton Manning might've suffered a meltdown by now if forced to go through as many weapons as Brady has over the years. Oh, Without a doubt. I mean,
1: we we had this conversation on, on our podcast about Brady and Manning and uh, Rodgers and a few of the other great quarterbacks in our league right now. Uh, I say in our league, in the NFL. It's not my <laughs> league yet. Uh, but uh, that is the one thing. Brady never, except for, what, two years, had fantastic wide receivers and Randy Moss and Wes Welker. And Wes Welker, when they acquired him, wasn't a guy that everyone was like, oh, he's going to be a fantastic wide receiver. And he still doesn't get any credit for being as good a receiver as he wants. People are like, oh, Wes Welker's not even a wide receiver. He's a slot guy. Who cares if you're a slot guy? If you catch passes, you're a wide receiver in my eye. Uh, but, you know, Manning... Uh, Always had Marvin Harrison, he always had Reggie Wayne, he now has Demarius Thomas. Uh he, and he's got he's always had that one big major star weapon at wide receiver. And uh and, and Brady hasn't had that through his entire career. That said, Brady's uh I have to be careful with my words, and I especially know in talking with Patriot fans, I know how touchy the subject we're not
2: sensitive people let it fly yeah no 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 promises on what type of tweets you'll get from the listeners (laughs) and his twitter
0: handle is
1: listen i am the biggest patriots homer there is but brady is definitely the product of a system but it's a system that takes what your defense gives you and that's the perfect system to run in the nfl these days and brady can throw that ball between five and ten yards perfectly. Like his accuracy on five to ten yard passes has gotta be close to a hundred percent. But as soon as you get past that ten yard marker, man, you're crossing your fingers and hoping that ball hits that wide receiver or that wide receiver makes that play. Because his downfield accuracy is not as good as people
0: want to believe in Patriot Land. I tell you this guy.
1: It's just not the case.
0: <laughs> it and- never has been. It never and, has been.
1: And Peyton Manning, for as much as I would love to to sit here and criticize him, because my father and my brother are both big Tennessee homers. Uh, my brother went to the University of Tennessee, and my father uh, lived in Tennessee for a few years, and he became a big Orange guy. Uh, and they love well, not my brother. My brother's still a Patriots fan. My father, he is—he's a turncoat. He's a traitor. Uh, and, and he loves him, Peyton Manning. And every year I just love making that call and going, oh, another playoff loss, Dad. Oh, another <laughs> playoff loss, Dad. Uh, that all being said, I mean, he has got to be, if not the best, you know, the top two, three quarterbacks ever in the history of the national football league, the things that that man can do on the football field. And he clearly is the man running the offense in Denver. He brought the offense that he had in Indianapolis to Denver and he's the man that is running it. Um, I don't know if we could say the same, uh, if Tom Brady were to leave today and go to another team that he'd be bringing the exact same offense with him. Um, I know that he runs that offense to perfection uh, and I know that he knows every single thing that's going on on that football field, you know, right up there with the greatest. But, uh, if, if I'm going to sit here and tell you who's got better, who's got a better skill set, I'm going to tell you it's Peyton Manning.
0: I'll agree with you to a certain extent there, Jay. Um, because I think you're right that, uh, Manning has, you know, the better arm, um, not as much anymore. Um, Manning's accuracy over over twenty yards is much better than Tom Brady's, um, but intangibles, I'll take Brady all day long. It's funny that you mentioned though about Brady being a system quarterback. It's something that Bobby and I have rapped about outside of uh, the Patriots Beat podcast, uh, and also some we've we've put into the podcast as well. That Brady over the years has just grown in this offense and while he started out as a game manager and he has turned in some great seasons as far as stats go how much has really changed in this offense you can you can look at this offense that when Brady took over in the uh, fourth quarter of the second game of the 2001 season and you can basically look at it and and it's the exact same offense it's always been. You just yep. replaced the names. You replaced Troy Brown with Julian Edelman. You replaced a, um, a David Patton uh, in 2003 and 2004. That was David Givens. Now it's Brandon LaFell. You replace uh, a Dion Branch in 2003 uh, with a Julian Edelman in 2011. Danny Amendola becomes the slot, slot guy that Troy Brown was in a 2004 season it's little pieces that all together the 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 sum is greater than its parts and it's something that Bobby and I have both looked at we both agree how great of a quarterback Tom Brady is how great of a winner that he is but physical in, uh traits and, and and all that stuff isn't what Tom Brady brings and again not to be shot by Patriots nation because Tom Brady in my eyes is the greatest quarterback uh, of this generation, in many many different categories, but the one thing he's never exactly had is all the athletic ability. He's one on guile. He's one on guts. He's one on smarts. If he was the greatest athlete out there, he would have started in Michigan over, like uh, called call Bob Greasy over Brian Greasy, and then he wouldn't have had to hold off Drew Henson. You know, this is a kid yep. who is and I, Brady's a kid, I shouldn't call him a kid, he's going to be 38 in a week, but this is a guy who has done nothing but just rise. take that cream and rise to the top on, just as I said, gut, guile, smarts, and hard work. It's the American way, and Tom Brady has made millions and won over fan after fan by the way he's been able to do that.
1: Listen, I totally agree 100%, and I think that's where – uh, that's where things tend to get lost with people that are outside of New England. And that is, you know, the Bill Parcells way. And that's clearly part of the tree from where Charlie Weiss came from is you look at the pieces that you have and you play with what you have. And at the time that my favorite quarterback of all time, Drew Bledsoe went down He was not the right guy with the pieces that the Patriots had and Brady came in and he was the right quarterback and he played and he sacrificed a lot of that pride and ego that quarterbacks can get uh, to play in a system that makes you throw to where the, the defense is letting you throw to. And that is that dink and dunk, you know, that quote unquote dink and dunk that people say can't win in the NFL. Well, We've only been watching it win for a decade-plus here in New England, uh, and that's just because it's smart. It's smart football. You play smarter, not harder.
2: Yeah, and it allowed Brady at a time when he came into the NFL, there were not a lot of quarterbacks ha- having early success when thrown into the fire. And sure, he had a couple of years to develop his skills, but from where he was when he first got to New England to where he was when Drew Bledsoe, took that hit and knocked out of the game significant difference and still a very young player with a lot to learn. And they kind of tailored to his strengths and allowed him to play in a system that we've seen the results. The proof is in the pudding. I also think, you know, one of those areas of Brady's physical abilities that doesn't get enough recognition is the fact that as he gets older, thanks to his work ethic and that disgusting diet that he has, He hasn't become more (laughs) mobile, but he has become more evasive. He's been able to make more plays with his legs, which doesn't necessarily mean running the football, but it does mean buying time for his receivers. This year, he was better at doing that than he's been really throughout his entire career.
1: There is not a quarterback in the league, and I I mean this. Um, Aaron Rodgers isn't, Drew Brees isn't, Peyton Manning isn't. There's not a quarterback in the league that has better pocket presence than Tom Brady. Tom Brady knows where those guys are. He can feel it. Um, you know, the last couple of years, uh, he has gotten a little dodgy. Uh, he has done a lot of that, you know, duck and cover move, which I absolutely despise. Uh, a lot of people mistake that as fear. I, I say that's just self preservation, uh, considering the line that was thrown in front of him a couple of times. <laughs> uh, in a couple of games, but, uh, there, you're absolutely right. The, the man knows how, uh, knows how to move around in that pocket and knows how to use it to his advantages, uh, and, and to the defense's disadvantage. And, uh, and that's what makes him, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time as well. It's just, it is simply just his pocket presence, his smarts, his knowledge of the game. But his work ethic that you mentioned, I don't I don't hear often enough about players like Tom Brady that that go through the things that he does. Um, you know, he, he never takes a vacation. This guy, people, or when he does and he's going off the cliff jumping, uh, you, you know, this past season, uh, it's only for a week and then he's back to football. It's absolutely out of my mind. It, it absolutely blows my mind uh, what he what he ends up doing and. What he uh, what he puts himself through uh, year after year to maintain the level that he's at.
0: Uh, Joe as uh, Jay as we talk about this, um, you know I I look up and my favorite quarterback growing up was Drew Blood, so I'm I'm looking right now in uh, my Patriots man cave when I'm not at Foxborough and we're uh, broadcasting uh, the the Patriots post game show. Uh, I'm looking at two uh Drew Bloodsoe jersey. One hangs from the rafters, the other one hangs on the wall and it's signed uh by Drew Bloodsoe. So I was a huge Bloodsoe fan. Um and and how could you not be he he along with Bob Kraft uh and um Bill Belichick just uh and Bill Parcells also just really saved this franchise from uh moving to to St. Louis. That's that has been
1: the, the. I said this on my podcast uh, just last week. It, it comes down to me with the man who saved my franchise or the man who brought me four Super Bowl rings, and and it's still I still give the edge to the man who saved the franchise because if he didn't save it, those four Super Bowl rings are in St. Louis, they're not in Foxborough, yeah. and I'm not and I'm not rooting for the St. Louis Mustangs.
0: Uh, so, uh, I thought it was going to be the Stallions. Wasn't it going to be the St-, St. Louis Stallions? I
1: don't know. I thought it was the Mustangs. There's a hat in the, in the
0: there's Hall a hat. Of Fame. At, yeah, yeah, there is at at, at the uh, Patriots Hall of Fame. There is a hat that's just there. And I think it's the Stallions. I don't know. I'm going down um, next week uh, for a couple days for training camp. Uh, I'll take. I'll have to take a look while, while I'm down there. But let's get uh, let's get down to business here because. Uh, CLS Radio and BTR are gonna be launching some nice exciting things this uh this year. And uh so Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh about how Blog Talk Radio has developed over the years?
1: Yeah, so I mean uh the, the beauty of Blog Talk Radio is that we make things a lot easier for podcasters to do their shows. And uh in the past uh hosts were literally able to phone in their shows. Uh, and the audio quality was, yeah, well, we've, you know, gone ahead and uh, we've changed that uh, over the past year and a half. Uh, my new boss, uh, Andy to, who's the general manager of Blog Talk Radio, came in and, and looked at things, and he, he got the ball rolling on changing things around and, and making things even easier for podcast creators. And uh, we've created a new hi-fi platform, uh, that records, uh, all of our hosts from wherever they are, uh, in, in industry standard sound. And, uh, it, it's fantastic. Uh, so if you want a podcast, if you want to learn how to podcast, um, you should definitely check us out. And, uh, I'm, I'm so glad to see that, uh, CNOS radio, uh, will be doing some post game shows using the platform, uh, because, uh, the, the, the one great thing about blog talk radio is that uh, you have the ability to do to air your your podcast live as you're recording, uh, so people can interact with the show uh, as the show is going on live, uh, and that's uh, and that's an advantage I think not a lot of podcasters out there are aware about, and uh, it, it's something that I hope to start using on my own podcast next fan up, uh, which you can download on iTunes. Uh, we have uh, thirty two. Fans uh, for every NFL team uh, join me on the podcast. Not at the same time. Uh, That would be be loud. (laughs) That would be a little difficult to pull off. But uh, we have four or five of our super fans, as we like to call them, uh, join us uh, every week to have some sort of roundtable discussion. And when the season comes up, uh, you'll be able to get uh, set for the battle of the super fans where – uh, each fan for their respective team will go head to head, mono a mono, talking about that week's matchup. And, uh, we're really excited about, uh, getting the season underway here. And I'm excited for Patriots training camp too. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it down, uh, for the first couple of, uh, practices like I normally do on Zach. Um, as, uh, I'll be at podcast movement, a podcasting conference down in Dallas, uh, for the first uh, week of training camp. but I'm hoping that they release some more dates very, very soon so that uh, I can make my planned trip to Foxborough.
0: Now, Jay, you've been, of course, in this podcasting industry for a long time. Uh, As you just said, uh, the podcast movement down in Dallas. Uh, What would be some advice you'd give? Someone who's just going out to start a podcast, whether that be some, uh, you know, sixteen-year-old kid who wants to start a podcast, or some sixty-year-old woman who wants to talk about, you know, baking cookies, or uh, you know, uh, a, a young lady who's wants to start a podcast about politics, or you know, a guy like myself who just wants to talk Patriots football. What would you give advice to someone new coming into the podcast world?
1: By the way, if that old lady who wants to talk about baking cookies is out there, please email me right now: podvader at blogtalkradio.com. dot com. Let's get some uh, I samples. Want I, oh, I want that podcast. I, I really do. I want. I want a podcast about about baking cookies. And then I want. Uh, and then and then your payment will just be cookies. Uh, I just want. to love
0: cookies. cookies. Uh, th-
1: my advice is uh, is whatever it is that you are going to be podcasting about, uh, you have to be super passionate about, you know, if it's flying jet airplanes that are going over my head right now, um, you know, you have to have the passion for it because that's what your audience is ultimately going to hear. And that's what they're going to latch onto is your passion for what it is that you're talking about. If you're not passionate about it, don't talk about it. Uh, but it's pretty clear, uh, you know. It, it's so easy with sports, right? I mean, this is this is what we live for every Sunday. Uh, this is what we come out. Uh, this is what this is what we watch. This is what we watch all those games for, you know. This is, <laughs> this, is uh, this,
0: this is why I lift all them damn beers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know,
1: just uh, just just be passionate and have fun. Because if you're not having fun, there's no point in doing it either. So be passionate, have fun, and uh, make sure you do it on Blog Talk Radio.
2: Amen to all of that. You know, i got to tell you that Jeff and I were talking before the show about some of the new improvements to BTR, and we're both really excited about it and just can't wait to get it going with all of that. And, you know, with the new and improved formats for the post-game shows, both of us think it's going to be fantastic and are excited to get that underway. Oh, I'm excited. I I can't
1: wait to start listening to the show and calling in, uh, being all mad about, uh, (laughs) you know, Garoppolo throwing four interceptions. Uh, No, that's not going to happen. I actually like Garoppolo quite a bit. I think he is.
2: Yeah, first month of the season, we're going to have, like, our own block just carved out for you to call in, get it off your chest. We're here for you. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh,
1: You know. I wish I'd I wish i had met you guys earlier because you guys could have helped me sell the Patriots mobile. Uh, I am for, if you go to my Twitter, uh, I'm at the real Pod Vader. You'll see a picture of my old Patriots mobile that I ultimately ended up donating to Wheels for Wishes, uh, as I couldn't find any buyers for it uh, down here in Connecticut. Uh, I'm still sort of
0: in Patriots company. I mean, come on. I'm yeah, you're kind of on that. You kind of like that. They're mad at us. You know they're still mad at you know 1998 when uh, when uh, Bob Kraft pulled the, the the rug from underneath them and stole the stadium.
1: <laughs> they're still mad. <laughs> yeah, I guess they are.
0: I guess they are. There's only there's five and a half uh, New England states and then there's the state of Connecticut that is engulfed by New York. So.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we, we got to change that. There's six New England states. And this
0: is not New York Junior. <laughs> right. We got to form a wall. <laughs> Jay exactly. Sodenberg on on the line with us here, the real Pod Vader, uh, BTR, CLNS. We're going to be doing some great things together this year on the Patriots post game show, Celtics post game show, and the Bruins post game show. And we just heard Jay's going to call up. We're going to have our own block for Jay. It's going to be great. Um, Jay, any final thoughts you can give us, not only on the, the Patriots, but anything else you'd like to bring out about, uh, BTR or then of course your, uh, your, uh, podcast, of course, the next fan up, which I just love that name.
1: Yeah. And I wish I could claim that I, I named my own show, but, uh, it was one of our super fans that came up with it. Uh, and, and it, it's fitting, like I said, there's 32 of them. So, you know, it's always, all right, who's the next fan up? Uh, love it. And yeah, and, uh, and we're having a blast. Actually, it took us a while. We had a, we had a few guys. We had a group together originally on, uh, on one of my old podcasts at ESPN. And, uh, most of those who are still with us on this podcast. Uh, some have had to leave. Uh, just recently I lost my Miami Dolphin super fan. So if you do have one. any, if you do have any Dolphin trolls, listening to the show right now you can uh you email us at nextfanup at gmail dot com and send us your application show us your passion for the dolphins uh we're also looking for houston texans guys uh and since you know that's basically new england south uh <laughs> it you, is now right <laughs> there should be there should be a few of you out there uh you know nextfanup fan up at com. send us your application uh, we're looking for a Dolphins and a Houston Texans uh, superfan for our show.
0: Well, Jay, I really appreciate your time on today's Patriots Beat. We look forward to talking to you again, When we look forward to the great things we're going to be doing together with CLNS and BTR. I
1: uh, can't wait. I can't wait. And, uh, you know, go pack.
0: Absolutely. Baseball is in full swing, and you can be part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait to the end of the season to get paid when you can win huge prizes every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just pick two pitchers, pick eight position players, and pick up your cash. That's it. Ask Peter from Colorado. Last year he won a million dollars in one day simply by playing fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. New contests start daily, so hurry to DraftKings.com right now and use the promo code NEWENGLAND to play for free in today's ten thousand dollar Fantasy Baseball Contest, DraftKings.com, official partner of Major League Baseball. Enter New England for your free entry at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com, that's DraftKings.com. What a great, great interview, talk, just a general conversation. Sound like a couple guys sitting around a bar stool, don't you think there, Bobby?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's just good old-fashioned, you know, summer football talk, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Who didn't enjoy that?
0: Exactly. That, of course was Jay Sodenberg. He is the content manager for Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com. Uh, you can follow him on uh, Twitter at the Real Pod Vader. He introduced his podcast, which is a great NFL podcast. Anyone who loves the NFL will love Next Fan Up. And, you know, I was a little upset with him that he didn't uh, come up with that name because as a Patriots fan, you think Next Man Up, well, Next Fan Up. So hopefully it was a Patriots fan who went and said that. Or, you know, it could have been one of them haters from the other team that they just want to be like us, so they take our sayings.
2: Well, in fairness to Jay, you know, that that might have been before the saying got hot. That might have been before Patriots or fans were walking around saying next man up. It's always been the motto, but it's really something that didn't become in vogue until the last, what, six years? So, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one.
0: You know, and we we talked a little Drew Bledsoe. And for those of you who don't listen to this podcast all the time and don't know what I'm all about, I'm all about the New England Patriots. Uh, I've been a fan since 1984 uh, when I was a young six-year-old little man, and we had Steve Grogan and Tony Eason, and uh, you know my favorite uh, Tommy before Tom Brady was Tom Hobson, the original number 12. Uh, But Drew Bledsoe held a special spot in my heart. Um, you know, he was drafted in '93. Uh, I remember sitting there watching the draft. This is, you know, NFL Network has this great program. I don't know if you've ever seen it, uh, Bobby. It's called Caught in the Draft.
2: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So it,
0: it, it's it's a great thing. It brings back, um, you know, they've done it the last two years. So they did it the '70, uh, they started like the '74 draft and the '84 draft, and the '94 draft, 2004 draft, this year. Uh, they had, you know, the, the 75, 85, uh, 95 and 2005, but that 93 draft, I remember sitting there and it was myself and my younger brother and my cousin and a two, three, all three of my cousins on my mother's side, we were all sitting there, you know, going, please pick blood. So please pick blood. So we didn't want Rick Meyer. You know, we had a new coach, you know, we thought we were going to be on top of the world, new coach and Bill Parcells. We had funky new uniforms. I mean, I'm looking at him right now. I'm looking at the original uh Patriot change in uniform. You know, red letters uh on a blue shirt uh with the the Flying Elvis. It was just awesome. It was it was a new regime coming in, saving the Patriots uh you know, and then Bob Kraft really saved him at the end of the 93 uh, 93 season uh, when he bought it in in 1994. Uh just unbelievable. I remember the end of that season the patriots start uh you know 1 and 11 on that on the 93 season they win the last four games uh one of the games i happened to be at was a third, it was actually the first game i ever went to uh at the old foxborough stadium as uh things were crazy right back back then it wasn't a fa- uh, family friendly event like it is going down to Gillette Stadium now i was 15 years old and, and and you know got down there we actually walked up we walked up day of the game and bought tickets and we sat on the forty yard line. I mean that's that's crazy. Yes. And the Patriots beat the Colts thirty eight to nothing. Leonard Russell went over a thousand yards on the season. It was it was awesome. It was just awesome.
2: That is definitely a really cool memory to have there. And you know, Jeff, it's funny because you talk about your personal timeline for Patriots fans is pre or post Brady. And yes. for me, my earliest memories of the Patriots are Drew Bledsoe towards the end of his career. You know, 96 is one of the first Super Bowls, not just Super Bowls the Patriots were in, one of the first Super Bowls, period, that I can remember. So I kind of saw, you know, the Drew Bledsoe that I saw with the Patriots was not nearly as good as he was for most of his tenure in New England. And I just think that, one of the things that's really not appreciated, not even talked about, to be honest, is Drew Bledsoe's role in helping to keep this team in Massachusetts, in Foxborough. Obviously, that had more to do with Bob Kraft than anyone else. But Drew Bledsoe did also play a pivotal role in, the, in keeping the pages here and helping to take this program and elevate it off the ground you know he certainly paved the way for Tom Brady and also something that does get talked about but I just don't think it gets the proper amount of appreciation the proper level of respect is Drew Bledsoe you know I don't want to say seeding the role but just that transition from him to Brady was certainly a rough transition both figuratively and literally considering the hit it took to knock Bledsoe out of the starter seat so it could have been a situation you look at the relationship with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and how that played out when they were on Green Bay together quite frankly you look at Brady and Garoppolo the dynamic there and I just think Drew Bledsoe handled that a lot better than most people do in that situation and it gets talked about I don't know if it gets the proper amount of credit that it deserves, though. I mean, those two are still friends, Brady and Bledsoe.
0: So. Oh, you, you Drew always calls him Tommy, you know. And I mean, thinking back to that time, I was at, actually at that game. I was at the game that he got knocked out. It was the uh, it was against the Jets. The Patriots ended up losing that uh, game. I've told the story at nauseum, but um, I remember I was sitting there and they were Bledsoe had just thrown an interception, and I I think I said. <sighs> He was a $100 million mistake. The only time I ever said anything bad about Drew Bloodsoul, my buddy Tommy freaking punched me right in the nose. Right in the, <laughs> middle, of, right in the middle of the stands at, at Foxborough Stadium, punched me in the nose. But, uh, you know, other than when he first got back, um, you know, before the New Orleans game um, in the 2001 season where he came out and said, you know, I- I'm looking uh, forward to competing for my job. Um, and then it became, I think, apparent to Drew um, the magical run that they were on that season, and uh, you know, and, and then he comes in when Brady gets hurt, um, you know, against the Steelers, and, and he and he throws the touchdown to David Givens, and you know, he had the back-to-back runs, and he gets wailed and he gets picked, he picks up, and he you know jumps up, he goes crazy, and then he's going to the Super Bowl. There's a tear in his eye because you know, I think he knows right then and there that this is my last season in New England. He knew that Tom was going to be there. And, you know, there's a story that, that goes out there. And, and uh, you know, you see it on any time you watch the the Super Bowl reruns um, where you see Brady slapping on Drew saying, I told you I was going to get you there. I told you I was going to get you there. And, you know, Drew's trying to ca- calm down. And then the story that's told is, is right before – uh, Brady goes out to drive them down the field uh, for the kick is Bledsoe looks at him and goes just and sling it. You know, so, I mean, it's just awesome. Patriots football coming out. Um, you know, this is this is a Patschasm. That's all I gotta say. This is a Patschasm. I am horned up of Patriots season. You know, and, and we're talking Drew Bledsoe. We talked a little bit about 90s Pats here. But one thing, I mean, for people that that we're not Patriots fans. One thing I just want to say before we kind of close out the show here tonight, as we were originally going to talk defense, then we got Jay on, uh, we'll talk defense next week, but one thing, go back. If you can YouTube, I don't know if you, if you can YouTube it, just go back to the 1998 season for the Patriots, back-to-back games against the dolphins and the bills. And, and drew Bloodsoe brings them back. He's got a uh, broke his, he broke his finger uh against i think it was the i, th- I want to say it was against the dolphins that he broke his finger uh and he had a pin sticking out of it and 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 came back the following week and and, and beat the bills and you, i remember ted johnson one of my all-time favorite patriots players uh going running onto the field after they they uh beat the bills unfortunately Um, They ended up, uh, Bloodstone couldn't play in the first playoff game, a loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Scott Zolak quarterback there. But, uh, uh, man, I tell you, that was the seeds that just brought everything together, um, you know, as things were going on. There were young players on those 90s teams that uh, really provided uh, the Super Bowl championship, and especially with uh, Bill Belichick when he came aboard. But just great talks tonight, their
2: oh absolutely and just one last thing if i can squeeze it into this edition of patriots porn is that you know everyone talks about the credit that bill parcells der- deserves for helping to build this patriots team that belichick has achieved all the success with and everything but also if you listen to the players pete carroll did play a pivotal role in their development if you just listen to the likes of Teddy Bruschi, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, they will all tell you that you can laugh at Pete Carroll's tenure here in Foxborough all you want, but that he certainly made them better players and helped transition them into taking that next step and ultimately becoming champions. Would it have happened without Belichick? I'm going to say no, but it also, you know, Pete Carroll did play a role and have a hand in their success.
0: Oh, definitely, and I
2: I really
0: can't say anything really bad about Pete Carroll. I liked Pete Carroll as a a coach. I think the issue that they had is is the players were going up the back steps, the Bobby Greer, you know, and and if you go back and you look at uh, the trade that uh, they basically got for for, uh, Bill Parcells, they got nothing out of that. I mean, they should have gotten so much more. Bobby Greer uh was just a bad general manager. They just a bad talent evaluator. You know, they didn't have the right players in the right things. I mean, they I mean, they just they drafted guys like Cedric Shaw, you know, and and just bad players, Tony Simmons. Uh, just guys that just didn't play. They 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 drafted cornerback Chris Canty <laughs> in, in 1997. I mean, it was just he wasn't a good player. Um, you know, they did get some good players uh, in, No, really not in any of that. I mean, if you look at it, you had Damian Woody uh, in the 99 draft, uh, Kevin Falk in the 99 draft. Those were some good players. That was the last draft for Bobby Greer. Um, you know, Andy Katzmoyer could have been a very good player. He hurt his neck, and and that was it. But the only thing that ever bugged me about Pete Carroll was his first year here, 1997, um, and, and basically he turned around and, and they started out four and zero, and they just beat the Jets on Sunday Night Football. Uh, they they beat Bill Belichick and, and Bill Parcells uh, on a last second field goal, and Cal comes out and goes, "We could go undefeated." <laughs> you don't talk about going undefeated, man. Even when the Patriots were fifteen and zero, we weren't talking about going undefeated, you know. And, and that was, you know, he always was jacked and pumped and and. I loved Pete Carroll. Uh, I'm glad that he got a Super Bowl. I'm glad that he lost last year's Super Bowl. Um, But I really can't say anything really bad about Pete Carroll. And, you know, if the Patriots and and Bobby Greer had done the right thing and signed Curtis Martin to a long term deal, I mean, that 97 Pats team with, uh, you know, Curtis Martin and Drew Bloodsoe and Terry Glenn, um, you know, was just an And Ben Coates, an offensive juggernaut, Sean Jefferson you know, if they had just kept the, the the band together and Terry Glenn didn't, you know, hurt his uh, hurt his ankle in a high ankle sprain in the first game of of the 97 season. Or hers,
2: whatever you want to call it. Uh, whatever, or hers, whatever you want to Terry. call it. She's coming, she's coming along nicely. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man, I tell you, Bill Parcells, I mean, you know, everyone sits there and they talk about Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells and the systems that they have. And, and Jay talked about Charlie Weiss and, and all this stuff. But really, I mean, they – Parcells and Belichick have, you know, they're disciplinarians. They've gotten lots of out of their players. But could there have ever been two more different people? I mean, Parcells press conferences were like going to, you know, going to see uh, a Richard Pryor, um, you know, (laughs) I'm trying to think of a good comedian now. Like Richard Pryor, he's been dead for years. But it was like going to see – Eddie Murphy in his prime. I mean, Parcells was hilarious. And then you have Bill Belichick. We're on to Cincinnati.
2: And we love him for it. We do. You know, he's, he's ours. So we definitely he love is him. ours. And, you know, Jeff, one of the things I love is, speaking of uh, NFL Network, as we just continue to plug them here on the podcast tonight, is when they have the football life of Bill Belichick, of him talking about the dynamic between him and Parcells when they were with the New York Giants, where you know Belichick would bring him a scheme or a play he wants to run, and he would say, "This is no good." And he'd say, "All right, well, what do you want to run, Bill?" You know, Parcells, and Parcells would respond, "Well, I don't know, but you got to fix this because this isn't going to work." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's unreal, unbelievable. Patriots training camp starting on July thirtieth. Stick with CNS Radio. We'll be there, uh, bringing you all the news as it comes. We'll be sitting there podcasting. We'll be doing whatever you gotta do. Talking New England Patriots. Football season is back. For Bobby Kovitsky, I'm Jeff Kane. This has been another Patriots beat. We'll see you guys on the flip. Side. Radio. CLNS Radio.